Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'alif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Alhamdulillah, we get the opportunity to be able to speak again about the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam. And as we continue, inshallah, to comb our way through this text, inshallah, we'll pick up this week where we left off last week. But before we do that, we'll start with our formal intention, inshallah, and lead in, into our class. So as I mentioned as before, our intention of Imam al-Haddad, uh, the translation, I intend to learn and to teach to benefit and to be benefited, to remind and to be reminded, to call to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to guide and to be guided by sound proof and correct knowledge, to seek the countenance of my Lord, nearness to him and his reward. I mean, I mean, we're also here by the intention to expose ourselves to the mercy of Allah, to expose ourselves to his maghfara and his generosity, to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to benefit from the, from the knowledge and the wisdom and the example of the Prophet to be witnesses to his greatness, to be witnesses uh, to, to, his, uh, to his miracles, to be witnesses also to the wisdom that he gave us in order to implement in our lives. May we receive our inheritance from the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all firm upon Surat al-Mustaqim as we go through these pages. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us and our entire lineage amongst those who follow in the footsteps of the Prophet and who are able to enter into Jannah to Firdaus and Allah. Allahumma ameen. Rabbi ishrah li sadiri yasani amri wa ahlul uqtatam min lisani yafqahu qawli. So last week we talked, we left off in talking about the fourth uh, to gain insight into the pragmatic Islam and the path of the Prophet as it relates to da'wah. Like learning that like part of the benefit of studying the seerah of the Prophet is for us to be able, uh, for how do we carry the light of this deen? What does it mean to be the one as the Prophet is the walking Quran? What does it mean for us to step into those footsteps? What does it mean for us to carry the banner of Islam as the Prophet وسلم, taught us what it means to be the bearer and the carrier of light and to bring that light into humanity? And so then looking, going on and looking into the fifth is to strengthen the love of the companions in one's heart. And this is something, subhanAllah, that when, we, when we're also studying the seerah of the Prophet what we recognize is that, uh, that it's, it's not only with the Prophet that by studying his seerah that we become connected to him, that all the blessings and beauty that come with that, but also we get the great blessings that come with learning about the companions of the Prophet the Sahaba was Sahabiyat, the men and women who were around the Prophet because what they do is they, they unfold for us the deeper meanings as well as the pragmatic things that happened with the Prophet and those very human interactions, the things that happen with people who don't have, who aren't the walking Quran, for example, or the things that happen uh, with some of the spiritual crises or some of the, the challenges, the day-to-day -day challenges that happen, whether it be with one's family 
or with one's economics or navigating society, navigating work, navigating aspects of being a minority inside of a, a inside of a, a greater society, navigating uh, relationships with other human beings, subhanAllah, whether, whether it's dealing with gender relations or dealing with race, dealing with class, even in dealing with animals, subhanAllah, that what we begin to understand is through those interactions that the Prophet has, we begin to be able to see our lives more clearly. Then we're able to track ourselves more clearly. And so in learning about the companions of the Prophet we're also able uh, to benefit from their wisdom as well as their conversations with the Prophet and increase in knowledge, right? Increase in, in, increase in proximity and love for the companions of the Prophet just to give one of the quotes uh, about, about this is that subhanAllah, the, the Prophet pointing out the importance of loving them said, fear God concerning my companions. Do not take them as a target of abuse. Loving them is but an extension of loving me and hating them is but an extension of hating me. And whoever harms them has harmed me and whoever harms me has harmed Allah and whoever harms Allah shortly will be dealt with. And of course, ultimately we understand that we cannot hurt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but what is meant by this is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is offended, right? That goes into the matters of makruh, right? And that this is something that we have, means that we have transgressed against Allah. What an amazing station and rank for the Prophet to say this about his companions. What he's sharing is that what the kind of love that he has, but not only his love for the companions, but that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored them and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects them. So then what does it mean for us? What kind of character, what kind of speech, what kind of, uh, you know, um, what kind of everything do we need in order to gain that level of proximity that would gain us love for the Prophet that would gain us an honor and a protection from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is part of what is gained by studying the seerah of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. And so I want to give, uh, like in, in, even it gives us the opportunity as the, as the author mentions, Subhanallah. I realized that today we're moving so fast. I was so eager to jump into the text that we didn't give the Fatiha for our author, the one who translated and compiled this compendium. Subhanallah. Sheikha Samira Azayed. And so let's just take a brief moment, inshallah, and recite the Fatiha. Let me back that up. And so it's important, of course, to honor the author and the teachers, for it is from them that we're able to extract this knowledge. And so, uh, and going back over what does it give for the companions, right, and in our relationship with the companions. For example, when we're giving sadaqah, it's something to, to examine, like how, you know, we're thinking that we might be doing really good in giving sadaqah, or we might be looking for how much sadaqah should we give. And then we look at, subhanAllah, Omar ibn Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala, well, Abu Bakr Siddiq, this beautiful narration between the two of them, where subhanAllah, uh, 
Omar is trying to compete with Abu Bakr in giving sadaqah. Right? They're competing with each other for khair. And so Omar goes home and he gives away half of everything he owns. If you, if you can imagine going into your home and you said half of everything, half the furniture, half the food that's in the fridge, half the food that's in the cupboard, half everything that's in the home, I'm going to now give it away in charity. Today, it's, it's, it's for Allah and his messenger. And so he goes out, right? And he inquires because he's feeling like, alhamdulillah, I'm like, you know, I'm giving charity now. Like I'm really competing. I'm really, he felt, you know, proud of being able to do something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so he asked, how much did Abu Bakr give today? And they said, today, Abu Bakr gave everything he owned in the cause of Allah. Today, Abu Bakr gave everything he owned in charity. SubhanAllah. And in that moment, Umar ibn al-Khattab said, I'm thinking hey, that I'm doing something. I'm thinking that I'm giving sadaqah. And yet, even when I tried to compete with Abu Bakr, I realized that Abu Bakr is not the one to be, you know, to be competed with in this matter. And so, subhanAllah, if we were to look at it just in terms of even if anyone were to give, half of what they own or all of what they own. But what that meant for Abu Bakr, who was in our day would be the equivalent. Some say that he would have been in the high levels of millionaire. Some say in the high levels of billionaire, subhanAllah, is that Abu Bakr, for him to give away everything, right? And that is 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 not a small amount. It's not like, you know, you've got a studio, your apartment, and so you go home and then you say, okay, give everything away. No, this is actually a very big give. And sometimes the more you have, you're, you're more afraid to give it up. And so we're able to examine our own charity, our own sincerity, while examining uh, the seerah of the Prophet and his companions. When we think about the level, what is it that allowed them to give this level of sacrifice? Right, that allowed them to say, I'm more concerned with being in proximity to the Prophet وسلم, more concerned about being in service to him than I am about even my own well-being. So when we look at the likes of Hudayfa, the likes of Abu Huraira, who was someone that was became so um he once he became so hungry, he dedicated his life to the Prophet and making sure that he was recording what the Prophet was doing in his interaction so that we could have all of these beautiful narrations. Is that one particular time he's sitting on the side of the road. And as he's sitting on the side of the road, he's so hungry, he actually falls down unconscious. Right. He gets he gets delusioned and he uh, he falls down unconscious and then he wakes up and he sees Omar ibn Khattab and he tries to uh, say to Omar, yeah, Omar, uh, there was something about uh, the Quran, an ayat in the Quran. I wanted to discuss it with you. Did you have time? And so Omar ibn Khattab, not realizing what was happening, he actually said, oh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm on my way to do something and I don't have time. And so subhanAllah, then he passed by. And then Abu Bakr came and uh, Abu Huraira said to him the same thing. And the hope is that maybe they would go to their home and they would discuss the particular ayah. And from sitting in their home, that maybe they would offer their guest something that he would have the chance to be a guest in their home. And so subhanAllah, he, he says to Abu Bakr, Ya Abu Bakr, I was contemplating this ayat in the Quran. Did I, and I wanted to discuss it with you. 
uh, did you have time? And Abu Bakr, he's looking at him and he said, no, unfortunately, I'm on my way to do something. I have some business to handle and I don't have time. And so subhanAllah, then he sees the Prophet and he mentions it to the Prophet. And the Prophet immediately understands what is the need of this companion of his, the need of Abu Huraira And so then he invites him to his home. And when he invites him to his home, there's this beautiful moment where he's able to, that the Prophet is sharing in his pain. So he calls out to, to uh, the wife of the home, he calls out to Aisha and he says, Ya Aisha, is there anything that we have? Uh, is there anything that we have to eat? And Aisha says, La ya Rasulullah, we don't have any, any food in this house. However, someone came and brought some milk, right? This is like a, a container of milk. So someone came and brought a container of milk. And so he tells him, uh, so she, he says, bring it. He tells Aisha, please bring the milk. And so in this moment, subhanAllah, Abu Huraira, who's so hungry and so thirsty, he's so excited. If you can imagine, of course, his mouth is just watering and he's excited about going getting this milk. But look at the tarbiyah. The Prophet tells him, go get Ahl al-Sifa. We know this famous narration. He says, go get Ahl al-Sifa. And Ahl al-Sifa at that time are like, they're like, the, it's called the people like of wool. Their clones are very, not made of fine cloth or fine threads because they're they're the poor people. It's literally like the homeless. And where are they sitting? They're sitting right outside the home of the Prophet It's like for the Prophet them the those who are poor and who are destitute and who are hungry and who are like the homeless, they're literally like sitting on the porch of the Prophet And so he tells them, go call them. And there are about 70 to 80 of them uh, in this narration. There are about 70 to 80 of them. If you can imagine that he then calls them all and says, bring them, right? And so he's even in the narration, he says, I knew, right? I knew that the Prophet them when he saw the milk that he was going to, that he was going to share it. He said, I was almost even shy, right? Like he's, that he's going to ask me to go bring them. That even he didn't allow even this small thing of milk to go unshared. That even himself was hungry. There was no food. He said, I'm going to share it with you, but also through this beautiful narration, what we learn is about some of the, the, the struggles that some of his companions went through. But through that, through this interaction, what we're also able to learn is not only about the generosity, but the sacrifice of the Prophet As we know that the, the Prophet as later will discuss in the narrations is that he's given the, he's given the choice to be a prophet king or a prophet slave, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, like, I will turn these mountains into gold if that's what you want. If you raise your hand, I will turn these mountains into gold for you, right? And he's like, I will choose to be a prophet slave, right? And there's so much, subhanAllah, beauty in the choice, in this choice of the Prophet, recognizing that majority, so many people in the world will go through poverty, will experience hunger. And so his level of emotional intelligence is saying, I'd rather feel their pain so that when I speak to them, when I address them, they know that I'm from amongst them. They know that I that I have experienced what they have experienced. And otherwise they would be able to say, the Prophet them, is at a level I could never achieve. 
that the Prophet وسلم, of course he could do this, or of course he could sacrifice this, or of course he could, you know, have this kind of thinking because he was of the privileged, right? He was of those of, you know, who could afford such sacrifice, who could afford making such decisions, right? Because he's, he has high status or he has high wealth. So of course he could, you know, fight against these groups of people. But it's different when it's like, no, I'm from the lower class. I don't have any money. And when I go in my home, I don't have any food either. Right? And so it still doesn't keep me from being generous. It still doesn't keep me from caring about the people. It still doesn't keep me, even though I have a little, right? It still doesn't keep me from saying, let's share it. And so he tells Abu Harayra, bring Ahlul Sifa and they come. And so he gives, he passes, he tells him to pass it around. He tells the companion who, who's, who he came with, who's so hungry, pass the milk around, subhanAllah. And so as he's passing the milk around, of course, he's looking and he's looking and he's looking how much of this milk is, you know, as each person is drinking, subhanAllah. And so they each drink and it gets, it comes back around. And so then when it comes back to the Prophet he gives it to the Prophet and the Prophet tells him, no, you drink, right? And he's like, he tries to give it back. He says, no, you drink. And the third time, no, you drink, right? And so he drinks and he keeps drinking and he, he then tries to go back and offer. And the Prophet says, keep drinking till you can't anymore. And so he drinks until he's satiated, until he's full. And he's like, I can't drink anymore, Ya Rasulullah. And then he gives it to the Prophet and amazingly enough, there's still the same amount. There's still milk inside the container. And so the Prophet then drinks and he finishes it. And so there are a multitude of things that we witness. And I ask us to not think that this is only limited to the Sahaba. There are a great number of miracles that exist in the lives of those who share in proximity to the Prophet There will be a great number of expansion of their risk, of their provisions, when they choose to live their life in proximity to the Prophet When they choose to live their life following him, doing as he did, acting as he commanded, and so subhanAllah, what we learn in this particular narration is that not only about the spiritual tarbiyah, not only about the spiritual tarbiyah that he's giving Abu Huraira, we also learn about the emotional intelligence of the Prophet But we also learn about his generosity. We also learn that this wasn't a one-time thing, that those who were in need were right outside the door of the Prophet which meant they knew where they could get help and assistance. And so this is huge uh, for us because inside of each narration that we unfold, there are a great number of lessons that actually exist. There are a great number of lessons that come to us by studying these narrations that we learn and we benefit from these companions. Tonight, inshallah, I wanted to, uh, for us to finish uh, addressing, you know, what is it, right? What is it that we, the benefit?
So the sixth is to strengthen our relationship with our guide and his companions and to illuminate, to illuminate our path to Allah. So this is as it relates to when we're studying the seerah, is that it strengthens the Muslim ties to the jama'ah. That at this time, subhanAllah, this is about when it says with our guide. This is about those who our who our teachers. These are about the shiuch. These are about those who are the inheritors of the, from the prophets, right? The ones who inherit the inherit the knowledge of the prophet wasallam. And so she, Sheikha Samira, in this translation, what she's what she's offering us is saying there is a unique place that our teachers hold in our lives, that in the absence of the Prophet in the physical realm, I'll say, there are people who hold that seat. And what I mean by people who hold that seat, this happens on, let's just say, a number of levels, right? Who hold that seat for us. On a smaller level, there are those who are our direct teachers. And depending on who are who we're blessed to have as direct teachers, there are our direct teachers. And there is a when they when they are the ones who are teaching us and giving us access to the Prophet. And they are the ones teaching us about his life, about his character, about his wisdom, about his narrations then they hold that particular seat. And so in holding that seat, it teaches us about number one, our adab that we have with that, with that person, that the one who gives us basically is the key, right, to the door of knowledge. And so it's, that's one, how, what kind of adab should I have with them? How should I serve them? How should I, uh, how should I behave with them inside of the lessons and outside of the lessons, right? And as a result of that also, then what kind of respect should I have for my teacher's companions, right? The people that they are around. For example, if any of us were in the presence of Ali ibn Abi Talib, or Omar ibn Khattab, or Uthman ibn Affan, or Abu Bakr Siddiq, Zayd bin Thabit, right? Or Hamza, his uncle. So all of us would have a deep reverence. All of us would have, if we were in the presence of Khadija, or Aisha, of course, with Fatima Zahra, there would always be a deep sense of love and respect and reverence that we show. Why is that? Because they are the ones who are in proximity to the Prophet that Allah has blessed to be in their company, that Allah has blessed to be in his company, right? To share, uh, you know, to share, um, I almost want to say not only to share in his shadow, but also to share in the breath. That, that when the Prophet was exhaling, that they were the ones who were inhaling. And so there's a recognition of a certain honor and respect that just naturally we should give them. But then this is also translated to our teachers. 
This is also translated for how we are with our teachers and their companions. Sometimes these are things that we miss in terms, in terms of understanding Islamic culture that we begin to, you know, based upon uh, our society or our societal's view, sometimes we only look at leadership as, singu as singularly, right? Singularly. And we're only looking at this is the, you know, this is the teacher. And, you know, I, I don't really know their companions or the people that they're around, the people that they are in proximity to. And so, you know, I may not show that same level of respect, but in reality, there is something, there is something that we're gaining from their from their those relationships those connections there's something that we're gaining and so therefore we as a community as a muslim community in order to benefit right from the seerah of the prophet we have first got to to readapt re uh we've got to readjust our thinking and therefore our behavior right to be able to uh to enact this in order for us to take on this quality and characteristic. Now, that extends to a greater thing, right? So that's, like I said, that's on a small microcosm level, my teacher, but, and it depends on, again, who your teacher is. So the next aspect would be, uh, for example, some of that, that teacher's teacher, right? That teacher's, that teacher's teacher and that teacher's teacher. What kind of reverence and respect do you have for them? Because even as we're narrating, as we learn about hadith of the Prophet for example, there will be someone who said, I heard, right? Whoever is narrating the, the hadith, I heard this hadith, right? Who came from this particular narrator, who heard it from this narrator, who heard it from the companion of the Prophet who was with the Prophet when it was spoken. That inside of that chain, that in order for us recognizing that in order for us to get to the jewels at the end of the chain, right? I don't disrespect the link that brought me. I don't disrespect the, the methodology, the path, the, the breadcrumbs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me in order to find the path. For example, when we look at, and this sanad for us goes all the way up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that when we're reading these narrations, someone said, I heard on the authority of such and such, who heard on the authority of such and such, who heard from, who heard Huraira radiallahu ta'ala say that he heard the Prophet Now, this doesn't end there. Right? It doesn't end there. Who was taught by Jibra'il alayhi salam? Who was taught by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That our chain, right, goes back to our Lord. And so this is so important in our day and time because many of us think that, you know, they, may Allah forbid, they may say terrible things or discredit those who are in the chain thinking that they're still respecting the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? As opposed to no, if as, as the Prophet mentioned in the previous uh, session we were talking about in the previous section, that if you disrespect the, the chain, you've disrespected him. If you disrespect the one who has brought you to him, 
right? Then you've disrespected him, and to disrespect him is to disrespect Jibra'il, is to disrespect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to be very careful in our day and time that we are not that we are not those kind of people that then start to undo the chain, right? Thinking that we could speak ill about the chain the same way as it relates to our teachers. There are many teachers who actually came to shape who that teacher came, gave that teacher certain experiences and certain life lessons. And so we also respect those teachers, subhanAllah. And so this is key in terms of our embracing and understanding and development of Islamic character and in Islamic culture. And of course, again, how does that hold us to the Jama'ah? Like recognizing, right? Recognizing that um, and holding on, giving us respect for the Muslim community as a whole. Like what does it mean in the previous one? It's talking about the Ansar and the Muhajireen, that first relationship, that relationship between the ones who are helpers, right? And those who are, those who migrate. But then also in terms of the brother and the sisterhood, this gives us a level of respect for how this, how in Islamic culture, this is a sacred relationship, right? That there are rights down to the sanctity of blood, down to uh, if they sneeze. And this is just teaching us about from the smallest matter, if they sneeze to the highest matter, their honor that is, is sacred for us. Why? Because they have been given the light of la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and because they they because when we're studying the seerah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this jamaa this community how they stuck together if we don't extract that from the seerah then we're missing we're missing one of the biggest points is that the sanctity and the rights that we have over each other that I should have your back, you should have my back. The kind of the kind of bonds that we should have is in order is necessary in order for us to bond with the Prophet. That the relationship we have with each other is not trivial. It's not disposable. I can't speak bad about the Muslim community. I can't say, well, the Muslims are doing this, or you know, the community is like that. And you know, I don't know about going to the masjid. Or I be very careful about speaking negatively about the Ummah of the Prophet. And especially those who are the inheritors of him. Be very careful because it will rob you of the jewels, the value, the light. Of, of, of learning it. And so this is one of the next uh, benefits that we have, inshallah, learning for us to hold on uh, to the to this jama'ah, to learn to respect and to hold on to the jama'ah. Uh, and so the next one, inshallah, the seventh is about, inshallah, hopefully you can see that, to give Muslims a sense of clarity and concern that allows them to elevate their ummah. Allah, giving the Muslims a sense of clarity and concern that allows them, right, to elevate their ummah. This is one of the next benefits of studying the seerah of the Prophet Meaning that, that, that understanding, if I 
protect you from your sneeze has rights over me all the way to your blood and your honor, right? Is is sacred and that should be guarded in sanctity, then then what does that mean in terms of uh it's like I have my job in terms of bringing that Oma forward, the responsibility I have to say, I've been blessed to be a part of this Oma. I've been blessed to be uh, and connected to this Oma. I have the responsibility to build upon that legacy, to take that legacy forward. Then it, re it removes from us our um, kind of uh, again, just only thinking about ourselves, our selfish thinking, right? That I get what I want. I learn over here in my corner, right? And you learn over in your corner, you're doing what you're doing, but as if I don't have the response, I, that there's a portion of the community that I, th I have to think about and plan, like how, what am, what's my part in bringing this community forward? How do I use the skills and the resources and the talents that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me in order to bring forth, right? To, to bring ahead uh, the community of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Like that is a part of why we study the seerah, right? That is a part of it. How am I going to, what, you know, what can I contribute to this beautiful ocean? And then looking at, um, of course, the, the first thing is to, to make sure that aqidah is protected, that the creed of Islam is protected. This is important. That the, uh, that the character of the Prophet وسلم, that his legacy is protected. To not allow people to speak ill of him, but that it is protected but also the great, the banner of Islam, the banner of Tawheed, the banner of good character of Islamic morals of what it means to be engaged in, uh, in terms of bringing justice and mercy and generosity to humanity that we have to keep progressing the Ummah. And so in looking at, uh, the historical aspect of the seerah is that there are two aspects of looking at the historical aspect of the seerah. One, yes, what do I learn intellectually from it? But of course, two, right? How does it compare? Because there's certain things in society we see that we're having a repeat, for example, Right now we're in the middle of the coronavirus and its variant. But this is, we've been here before, right? Humanity has been here before. Matter of fact, only just a hundred years ago that they experienced some of the, the very same uh, aspects, this social distancing, right? Wearing masks, having a, a, a pandemic. This is something we, we experienced with the Spanish flu in 1918. During the time of the Prophet Sallallahu there were pandemics. And actually he gave detail, their narrations for how did he address the pandemic? How, how did he, what did he tell people to do? Of course, washing your hands. That's, that, that, was, that was like mold five times a day, wash your hands, right? Be careful of certain animals. 
Be careful if they if if they're if the wetness from that animal gets onto you, the level of washing and exfoliation that needs to happen in order to remove its germs. Right? The Prophet talking about social distancing uh, inside of a pandemic, staying at home, the rewards for staying at home. So we were able to extract from the historical lessons what we should do today. And so lastly, in getting to the eighth aspect, the final uh, of this section is to unlock treasure trolls of knowledge for the Muslim. The seerah is an endless source of culture and knowledge which benefits a Muslim in this world and the next. Of course, it's his, a geographical and historical information, including the lineage of Arab tribes, the places they live, the battles they fought and their customs and traditions. Like, but it's also rich in terms of revelation, how revelation was enacted, right? The, so it's just, in terms of these treasure troves, like, I'm just gonna address this because I am a black woman and this aspect of acknowledging race and class and color was something that we may say, well, is this really something that, you know, that we could just, you know, dismiss or is it something, it's something, you know, new. It's not, didn't really happen during the time of the prophet, but in reality it did, right? And he he taught us, right? There are, there are, there's just mountains of treasure for how do we deal with matters of race and class and and culture and ethnicity and how do we re, and how do we restore justice how do we have systems of restorative justice the prophet وسلم, is just it's just like everything you need right everything from even in terms of history and understanding uh people and where they came from and that connection and what that means right what does that give us it literally allows us the erasure that has happened historically of, of certain people in order for the benefit of another people to in order for them to um to to peddle their lies that they are superior to another people in studying the seed of the prophet we're able to we're able to unpack that we're able to peel back those layers and be able to trace back who was who and who was connected to who and this and these people came from this uh you know this land and they spoke this language and subhanallah what does it mean for the prophet sallallahu to say about salman and farisi was from ahlul bayt right that salman is for me what does that mean right salman being persian what does it mean for salman to be to be a slave and to be sold into slavery this also begins to give us insight in terms of uh, the historical understanding of slavery right that if salman and farisi is a slave and he's persian then wait a minute that might that might shift my that might shift my social consciousness or even my framework of slavery if i'm only thinking that slavery was meant for a specific group of people so they're in the in extracting the historical uh information it's jam-packed with jewels for how do we unpack our, all of our social, social, political, racial, economic, gender issues? It is a roadmap for how we individually and collectively live our life and a roadmap for how we're going to relate to each other and progress humanity.
So alhamdulillah, we have finished that section of the introduction of the text in studying what are the eight benefits of studying the seerah of the Prophet Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.